0: Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. The law of God is a transcript of his character. It reveals to us what God is like and what is important to him. It also teaches us to live lives of love, of faith and of obedience to Christ. Our Bible study today will examine this. On our panel today, we have David Curry and Charissa Tarosian. Welcome. Thank you. We'll begin our Bible study with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today for the opportunity that we have to study your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us as we study the law as a teacher. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, the law has a PR problem. Uh, when some people hear the word law, Uh, they automatically have a negative reaction. And David, I want to throw the question across to you. Why might this be the case? Why does the law have such a public relations issue?
1: Well, one of the reasons is that people sometimes read some of the texts in the Bible the wrong way. And uh, for instance, in Galatians 2.16, the end of that particular verse says very clearly, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And... Many people take that as the fact that the law is no good. In fact, Paul already has said in Romans, the law is holy mm. and the commandment just and good. And he's not going to throw the law away all of a sudden because some people haven't read what he's read, mm. uh, said correctly. And so these false ideas can lead us to dismiss the law. Mm. And that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it certainly can be hard to navigate to truth when there's so much misinformation that's out there. Uh, fortunately, we have God's word to guide us through these things. And now um, <clears throat> one of the ideas that I've heard there that's out there about the law uh, is that when Jesus died on the cross, uh, he, the law was actually no longer relevant or binding for Christians anymore after this point. Uh, is this idea supported by Scripture, David?
1: Well, Jesus himself, and of course, we ought to go to him always to see what he said. But he says in Matthew five seventeen eighteen, 18, look, he says, I've not come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill. And, you know, I think that we must understand that he did not abolish the law in any way, mm. but stood by the law. A little bit later, he says, till heaven or earth pass away. Not one jot or one tittle shall pass from the law. Mm. Heaven and earth hasn't passed away yet. and We're still living in that time and it's still relevant for us to keep the law. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think those those texts of Scripture are very clear as they guide us. Uh, Now, another idea that I've come across uh, that um, people have said about the law is that because we're not saved by keeping the law, then therefore the law is not important. Sharissa, uh, what does the Bible say about this?
2: Yeah, I think David hinted at it just a moment ago, but I'll read it again. Galatians chapter two, verse sixteen. Uh, The Bible says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even when we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Mm. So it's true. Keeping the law is not the basis of our salvation. However, to get rid of the law altogether, to dispense with it altogether, just because it doesn't function within one realm is like getting rid of your toaster because it doesn't vacuum the floor. It doesn't <laughs> make sense, right? And so it seems that many people in our world today they've grown content with knowing what the Lord doesn't do, and they're happy to leave it at that. But hey, the Lord does something for us too, and that's what we should focus on, also.
0: Yes, wow, that's that's so true. Uh, that idea of you know being content with what the law doesn't do rather than what it does do. So if that's the case, what exactly does the law do?
2: That's a good question. So let's see. I'd like to share just two Bible passages on this. The first is in Romans chapter 3. And I'll just read to you verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the Lord, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Mm. That's the first thing. It shows us what sin is. And the second verse, which I'd like to take us to, is Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. Here, the Bible says, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Mm. So, Two very important concepts right here. The law is a teacher, if you will, that points us to, to Jesus. And by the law, we actually have a knowledge of what sin is. If there was no law, we wouldn't know what sin was and what was dangerous for us. And so we also recognize through the law our personal need of Jesus.
0: Hmm. Very good. I think, hmm. you know, I think this is a, this is a very important function that the law works in as it points us to Christ, as it teaches us, uh, you know, it shows us what God is like and uh, what his standards are so that we can know how to best move forward with God. Uh, now, if this is the case, what sort of a posture should we have towards the law? David.
1: I like what David says in Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm or hymn in the Bible. Mm. But in verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. Mm. Now, if David loved the law, it's important that we also learn to love the law. It helps in our relationship to God. It helps to distinguish how we are going to live day by day because God has shown us in his law how we should live. Mm -hmm. And that's why David could say, how I love the law. Now he broke the law. There's no question about that. And yet God called him a man after his own heart. And I believe today that we can do the same thing. And if we have a healthy relationship with our God, we're going to love the law that he gave to us.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's no need to have a posture of anxiety or fear towards the law. Uh, but we can say with David, oh, how I love thy law. Such a, such a powerful uh, testimony that David was able to have. I want to look now at a couple of examples in Scripture of the law that speak about the law. So we're going to turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31 and we'll read Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 9 through to 13 here together. Uh, It says this in God's word. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, to the sons of Levi, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord uh, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in your hearing gather the people together, men and women and little ones and the stranger who is in with, within thy gates, uh, that they may hear and uh, that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of the law and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you crossed the Jordan to possess." this, uh, you know, there's some very important lessons we can learn here as we look at what God says about his law. Uh, as we look at this passage, what are some of those lessons? And I want to throw this question to both uh, both of you guys, David and Sharissa, to share a thought on what are some of the lessons in this passage that we can learn about the importance of God's law?
1: The importance of this passage, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy basically means the second law because the law was given in Exodus and now it's given again in Deuteronomy. And here, God is showing His intention that children of Israel should know the law. He repeats and continues to repeat the law in this particular passage. And this way, God is a Mm long-suffering educator. He wants people to understand what He really means about it, and the law is very important to them. He explains it, he repeats it, Mm. he brings it back to the prophets again to bring back to them. And all through the Old Testament, you see how God is trying to guide his people into the law and even to teach the children to do that. And I like also David again in Psalm 19 and verse 7, where he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, Mm. converting the soul. You know, that converting the soul is very important. And in my years of experience, I've led many people to understand the law and how the law has converted them or changed their lives. This is very significant.
2: Hmm, Good point. Yeah, I was just going to add to that and just say, noting in verse 13 of the passage you read, Deuteronomy 31, um, that it stresses the importance of teaching your children to know Amen. God's law, to fear God. So God is very concerned about future generations knowing his law also.
0: Hmm. Yeah, actually, I really love that text there in verse um, in verse 12, where it talks about, uh, where you just highlighted there, that idea of, uh, teaching the law that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words mm. uh, which the Lord your God has commanded. This idea of fearing God's law, uh, or, or fearing God, so to speak, uh, what, it, what does that mean? What does it mean to fear God?
2: Yeah, that's a really important concept for us uh, to study together. And a verse that comes to mind, which helps us understand it, is Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 where the Bible just clearly says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So it's to learn to love the things that God loves, Mm -hmm. hate the things that God hates to the point where we become more concerned with what God thinks of us than what our friends and the world think of us. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. That's such an important topic and how often we are moved by fear of man. Mm -hmm. uh, We're more concerned with what others might think of us than we are about what God may think of us. Uh, Now, this concept of learning to fear God is this an immediate process or is this something that takes time?
1: It just seems to me that God is suggesting particularly in verse 13 of this chapter of 31 that their children may know it and they may hear and learn to fear. They hear the law and they learn to fear. I just want to mention a bit about this word fear because we have different connotations today about fear to what I think Moses was talking about here. Mm. And the Hebrew word yare basically means, yes, fear or reverence. Mm. And I rather like that word reverence, that as we learn the law, we're also reverencing God who gave the law. And this was a very significant, important factor.
0: Yeah. And what an important process to undertake, that process of learning to fear God and to be concerned with what He thinks about whatever we might be going through. Um, Let's look at another passage of Scripture here that discusses the law. Uh, I would invite you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says this, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Then verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe uh, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Uh, according to this passage, as we as we read through this passage together, uh, what is the outcome of following God's law for Joshua? And how does that relate to us today?
1: Well, it says very clearly that he would prosper. Now, this, of course, is a lot different to how the world thinks about <laughs> prospering. The world thinks of prospering as having a lot of money, having a nice house, a beautiful car, that most of us can't afford. <laughs> and that's the way that they think of prosper. But the prospering as the Lord is something totally different. Mm. And um, God wants us to understand that in Him, we prosper personally. We prosper the inner man and we get joy and happiness out of that. And I think that's a very important way to prosper. Mm.
2: Amen.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think um, the points you've brought out are so important. Uh, similar to Joshua's experience, we have uh, in Scripture other examples of people following God's law. Uh, I want to take us to another example here in 2 Chronicles. Uh, In 2 Chronicles, we're going to read verses, uh, chapter 31, and we're going to read verses 20 and 21. Uh, And picking up on this idea that you've just shared for us there, David, Uh, it says here, thus Hezekiah did Throughout all Judah, Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, and so he prospered. Uh, (laughs) Another example here in God's Word of following God's law, uh, living according to what he had given to his people, and that result, similar to Joshua's, was that process of prospering. Um, Now, you've you've kind of touched on this idea there, David, that there's a different idea between prospering in the eyes of the world and prospering uh, in Scripture. But We've looked at two examples, both cases prospering when we follow God's law. Is it always the case that when we follow God's law, we prosper?
2: I think, yeah, he hinted on it really well. David said it well, because when we look at the Bible, we see there's some pretty good examples of people who were loving the law of the Lord, who loved the Lord, but they didn't prosper in the eyes of the world. I'm thinking of Job, who suffered the loss of all of his wealth and his family and his health. I'm thinking of John the Baptist, who followed God's law too, but he was beheaded because of that. I mean, we could hardly say that's prospering. And then I think of Jesus. He loved the law of the Lord he and he was crucified. So I guess the reality that, that those examples highlight for us is that we live in a world of sin, in a world where evil is very much everywhere. And there's a great controversy. There's a battle going on. You take God's side, you become... Uh, a, a target, so to speak. So we're not immune to suffering or to calamity. However, there are benefits. There are eternal benefits from keeping God's law.
1: Amen.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as we look at this idea here, this, um, this concept of prospering as we follow God's law, uh, it is the case that uh, whenever we do follow God's law, there's a blessing to be had.
2: Absolutely. And, uh,
0: you know, just by the, the commandments that God has set out, even if we go look through those 10 commandments and we think about uh, how we might prosper as we look at those commandments, every commandment that's been put in Scripture is there to keep us from some sort of uh, negative experience, yeah. some sort of uh, experience that might end in pain or suffering. You could go through all of them. Adultery, for example. How does this lead to uh, prospering or keeping us from harm? Well, as we remain faithful to our spouse, our children prosper, uh, we, our relationship prospers, we don't have jealousy and envy, these sorts of things. And so, God's word has been given to us. His law of love has been given us to help us to prosper Mm. and to do well. Now, uh, let's have a look here. Uh, I want to look at a a couple of verses here uh, and uh, I want to throw it out to both of you guys to share from Scripture some verses that may speak to you in this area. When we're faithful to God, when we're obedient to his laws, uh, we, we have this experience of prospering. Now, what are some other verses in Scripture that, other than what we've looked at already today that speak to you about the importance of studying God's law and the importance of following it?
2: Yeah. One that comes to mind. And actually, as you were saying that God's law is like a fence that keeps us out of the concentration camp of sin, Mm. so to speak. Uh, A verse in line with what, how do we prosper when we keep God's law? Psalm 84, verse 10, the Bible says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. It's better to keep the door of the house of the Lord than to dwell in wickedness, Mm. the psalmist says, and have all the things. Things that this world offers, because it's really just temporary and it's going to hurt us and it's not that much. And the role of a servant, it may not seem prosperous in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of the world. But when you serve God, you serve someone who loves you, who, who, who bought you with his blood mm. and his will is to have you follow him, but it's for your eternal happiness. Mm.
0: Yeah. And you know, that idea of it's better to be a doorkeeper in, than uh, to, to be serving the tents of wickedness. You know, even, even being a doorkeeper for God <laughs> is yeah. better than anything that this world has to mm-hmm. offer. And so that's, that starts to show us some of the differences mm-hmm. here between the concepts of prosperity. Um, David, is there another text of Scripture that...
1: Yes, Mark- I love this one in Mark 8 and verse 36. Mark eight thirty six. For what will it profit a man mm-hmm. if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul and no amount of prosperity in the world is going to compare with what we're going to get in eternity. And uh, Jesus promises that, you know, we can prosper in him for sure. In the world, we may not prosper, but in him, Jesus, we do. And that's Mm. significant and important.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, you know, we, we can gain the whole world and it doesn't even compare, not even closely. It doesn't even compare to what uh, will be revealed to us with Christ, Mm. through what Christ offers to us. Um, There's so many texts of Scripture that speak to us about God's law. Um, I want to just ask you to, yeah, we'll just throw it to you guys to share some other texts of Scripture that uh, speak to you about the importance of God and His Word.
2: All right. Do you want to go first?
0: You go first. All right.
2: You go first. I've got here Romans chapter 1, verse 5. And it just says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So obedience comes from faith and it's the natural consequence of general, genuine faith in God. Hmm. That's one.
1: And here's another. <laughs> Let's go to Revelation. And in chapter 12 and verse 17 and here we have a chapter that deals with the origin of evil and the problems that Christ has with Satan. Mm. And then finally, in the last days, you have a people who it says the dragon was wroth with. He's in wroth with the woman, the church. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring and notices who keep the commandments of God. And had the faith of Jesus. In the last days, there's a people keeping the commandments of God. And Revelation 14 and verse 12 says exactly the same thing. Where after dealing with this, the three angels' messages, there's a final message going to the world. And in verse 12 it says, Here's the patience of the saints. Hmm. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Very similar to chapter 12. But God is making a very important point here, that in the last days there are people who are still keeping the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think just as we reflect on that text there, uh, the idea of, you know, the book of Revelation takes us through uh, the end time picture of what God reveals to His Absolutely. church, of what is coming as, as we go forward. And I just love that text there that you've brought out, because the book of Revelation is actually built on a chiastic structure. It is. And, it, you know, our books that we read are very linear, you know, and then you have your peak at the end and maybe, you know, your climax and your That's conclusion, right. those sorts of things. Revelation climaxes in the middle with this with this chiastic structure. And I love those two texts you've just read for us, which actually uh, are the start and the finish there of that peak of revelation, that chiasm in revelation. And in both of the cases at the introduction to the climax and the conclusion, you just read out for us that God's faithful people at the end of time will be keeping the commandments of God. So is it crazy that we should expect that uh, God's people should love His law? (laughs) No. <laughs> uh, is it crazy that uh, God's people would, uh, who are faithful to Him at the end of time would have a relationship where they can say like David did, Oh, how I love thy law. Mm. Uh, right. It's not crazy. No. It's not crazy uh, at all. God's Word uh, makes sense. It speaks to us powerfully of this thing. And though the law may have a PR uh, issue, <laughs> uh, though some Christians, uh, there may be misunderstandings that are out there, though it may be sometimes difficult to navigate through the truth. Uh, God's Word will guide us through those That's things. Um, and so there's there's many other texts of Scripture. Charissa, you look like you've oh, got one Can there I share
2: another share. one? Yeah. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 is gold. It says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Wow. Keeping God's law is a blessing, and it comes from true love for Jesus. Mm. Amen.
0: Keeping uh, you know, this idea of the law not being a burden, mm. um, the, the idea of the law being something that is a joy to keep, uh, I think uh, what, a, what a beautiful picture. When we truly understand what Christ has done for us on the cross, there's no other response that we can do but to give our lives wholly and completely back to Him. Amen. And it's not a burden, <laughs> not it's a, a burden. joy. Um, Now, there's a text in James chapter 2 that speaks to us again of the importance of God's law. Uh, Can you tell us, David, what this might have to say to us today? Yes. The
1: first point is verse 10 of chapter 2. It says, Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point is guilty of all. That's quite significant. Mm -hmm. But then two verses later, it talks about, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. This law is called a law of liberty, and we're judged by that law. The way that we react to our God uh, shows us the liberty that we have in Him. And then in verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Mm. We can talk about faith, but we must also have works, helping people. And you know, I've been amazed how often the Bible talks about loving the children, the orphans, the widows. And, you know, these are part of the love that we can show for God. And the law of liberty helps us to understand our connection with our God. And this is very significant and to me very important.
0: Yeah. And look, I'd love to just you mentioned that you touched on that text there at the end of James chapter one. Well, you read that text in James chapter two. But if we just look across and look at James chapter 1, mm-hmm. verse 27, uh, and it picks up on that very idea, David, that you were just sharing with us. Uh, it says here in James chapter 1, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, this idea of, again, we see uh, this idea of. God's law as he gives it to us it's something that uh, compels us that leads us to be a blessing to others Mm. and
1: and what I like about James it's a very practical book he deals with so many practical issues like the one that you just brought out in this text Mm. and so many other issues that help us also to have a good relationship with our God because we're keeping his law of liberty Mm.
2: his law of freedom there's,
0: and I love that idea because it is freedom. Yeah. You know, some might view the law as if it's a concept of bondage, yes. um, of restriction. And this really Satan's original lie, wasn't That's it? Right. In the Garden of Eden, he said, right. uh, you know, that uh, God doesn't, he's, he's holding something back from you. If you take of the fruit, he's, he just doesn't want you to take from the fruit because he knows that if you eat of it, you'll, you know, you'll be able to be like him. God's holding back from you. Um, but this is, again, a lie that goes straight back to the Garden of Eden but it's uh, it's actually the law of liberty that brings us freedom. It does. Um, yeah, we were, you know, freedom comes not in doing whatever we want to do, but in doing what we were created to do, and God knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to take us to a text here, um, and uh, you know, if we were to sum up God's law, um, and I'll throw this one to you, Sharice, if we were to sum up God's law, how would you do it? We've looked at a lot of texts that have spoken to us about God's law. In one way, how would you sum it up?
2: Well, maybe I'll let Jesus do it for us. <laughs> and I think this is where you were heading. Matthew 22, verses 37, 36 and 37. This was asked of Jesus. Someone said to him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus's response in verse 37 was, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Mm. So how do we sum up? What God's law is, it's loving
0: God. Amen. And, you know, this this idea of loving, um, loving God and God's law being a law of love uh, is, is, again, builds on that picture that we were looking at just a minute ago, that uh, it's freedom, it's love. God is love. Everything that he does is a a reflection of who God is. And so as we look at God's law, it really is a transcript of his character. It is. Amen. It tells us uh, who he is, what he's like what's important to Him. uh, And by it, we're able to measure love itself, uh, which I think is such a a beautiful thing to look at and an important topic as we've spent our time studying together. So thank you so much for sharing. That's all we have time for. But uh, what a powerful study in God's Word. God's law is a teacher that points us to Christ and shows us to love like He does. As we study God's law of love, we learn how to fear God and to live lives that bring glory and honor to Him. God wants to lead you and me down the balanced path of learning, of living, and of loving His law. We're glad that you joined us today on Let God Speak. You can watch any past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teacher's notes are available to download there also. You can email us at lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Please join us again next time. God bless.
2: You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 024973 3456 Or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.